0: In a world where it seems like there is so much going wrong i want you to see the people who spend their lives doing good welcome to the doing good podcast where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way i'm carmen herbert and welcome to doing good hello everyone i am thrilled to have on the podcast today alicia odd alicia is a wife mother of two teenagers, an avid fan of football and baseball, watching with her family. She says that her favorite teams are whichever teams her son is playing on. So (laughs) that is awesome. Alicia was born in New Jersey, but grew up in Alabama. She was baptized a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints at the young age of 21 while she was a student in college. Which college did you go to, Alicia?
1: At that point, I was just going to a junior college, but I graduated from Utah
0: State. Oh, awesome. Okay. Alicia experienced the true meaning of the refiner's fire when she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis only four months after being baptized. That experience truly shifted her perspectives and goals in life. After a 12-year break from academic studies, Alicia returned to college and graduated, oh, here we go, cum laude from the U- Utah State University with a degree in communication studies at the age of 35. That is Amazing and no small feat. That is incredible, Alicia. Alicia is a certified instructor by the Utah Department of Health and teaches classes to help individuals live well with chronic conditions, chronic pain, and diabetes. She also speaks nationally as a patient ambassador for a leading pharmaceutical company. As a public speaker, Alicia has spoken in professional settings, educational assemblies, and religious firesides, conferences, camps, and meetings. Alicia, wow. Wow. I cannot wait to talk with you today. Welcome to Doing Good. Thank you. So, quite the resume. That is amazing that you decided to go back to school. So, let's just start there. What made you decide to go back to school and pursue your education in your thirties?
1: So, when I was diagnosed with MS, I continued with college for about a year, but I had to work full time because I had to have insurance. I wasn't on my mom's insurance anymore, and so it just was hard. So, I quit. And then I got married and had a family and then the disease kind of changed and we moved to Utah and we moved to Utah. So my husband could finish his academic studies and he's originally from Utah, but we moved back to Utah. And uh, so he was going to Utah state. And while he was there, I thought, Hmm, I could finish mine too. And I, I did, I started school in 2000 and I think 12 or 13 and Finished in 2015. And there I did it for a few reasons. I did it for one, because I just wanted to finish what I started, you know? Yeah. I just wanted to finish it. I'm not a quitter, you know. And another reason is because I wanted to be an example to my kids, you know, to kind yes. of show them how important not only education is, but just not giving up. Just pursue your dreams. Whatever's hard, whatever tries to stand in your way, just push through it. You know, there's accommodations that can be made and you can do it. And then the final and third reason why I finished my education was just to show MS that it does not have me. I there's love a saying that. That I'm sure with every disease people say this, but it's, I may have MS, but MS does not have me. I and love so, that. and that's just a saying that a lot of people with MS or whatever say, but I just, I just wanted to do it just to, just to do it, you know, just to be strong.
0: I think that is so admirable. One of my good friends is David Osmond. And he also yes. does not have MS or, or he, he MS does not have him. And and he, yeah. he does say that same as I don't have it. I have MS, but it does not have me. Yeah. And I think it's very it's, common. It is such a positive mindset. Like, yeah, I, I, this is something that I'm dealing with, but it, it does not control me. I, I, my mental, yeah. And emotional power and spiritual power is so much stronger than what my physical body is going through. And have you found that having that mindset actually does impact your physical conditions or your physical, you know, with MS, do you find that if, if you are mentally, emotionally, spiritual strong, spiritually strong, you feel physically stronger and empowered as well? For me, I feel that I
1: do. And the reason I say that is because For me, I try to keep an eternal perspective. You know, I try to think, all right, this is really hard. Like like in 2007, which was about seven years after I was diagnosed, I became really sick. I developed something called shigella, which is like a intestinal thing. I ate something. It made me super sick. It was right before Christmas. I developed like this huge 104 point something fever. Oh, my oh, goodness. Yeah. An ambulance came and got me, took me to the hospital. Mm. I was there for about two weeks over Christmas. It's crazy. No. It's, yeah. And so um, that was really hard. But then after that, it affected my MS because it, it brought on my so I walk with a walker, and that brought that on. I just got super sick, super weak. The disease just kind of changed. And that changed my mindset. When I was first diagnosed, I had MS, but nobody really knew it. you know, I didn't look sick, I didn't look. I used to get the oh, but you look so good, you know and, and it, it wasn't it wasn't really physically known. But then it changed. And I had to really rely upon my testimony of the atonement. But I had to also really keep an eternal perspective. So as far as being strong physically, I feel that having MS has helped me to just rely upon or not really rely. Well, yeah, rely upon it, but just really find my strength through that eternal perspective to know that this life is not the end. It wasn't the beginning and it's not the end. So I, I think that holding on to that perspective is really what keeps me going because I really do have bad days and I get frustrated. Yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, these legs, they used to run, they used to dance, they used to do yeah. all this, now they're barely walking. But I just keep going and I keep doing my exercises and I keep doing therapy and i it just keeps me going.
0: That is so inspirational and it, I'm sure people listening, it's like, okay, well, that sounds so great, and but, you know, if I were to tell someone, hey, just keep going and be positive, I wouldn't really have much credit because I haven't experienced a, a chronic or physical you know, illness. And you have. And so when you talk to people and you're like, I'm living it. I've been through it. And here's, here's how this has helped me and how I can help you. I think that's incredible and so admirable. Right. Not only that you are able to stay so positive, but that you decided to use that and your child to help others with, with what you do now as as, as a public speaker and, and an educator on how to truly live a full night, a full life with something as debilitating as MS. And for those that don't know multiple sclerosis literally means many scars and it's like little lesions on your brain. And, and it, it can affect, that's the thing about MS and that I've seen in, Friends that I've had, my my amazing voice teacher, Dean Kalen, was diagnosed with it and has dealt with it. And it's so it's so funny because it can get worse, it can get better. You can be in a wheelchair, you can be walking. It's it's like random things affect it. One of David Osmond, one of my good friends who has it, his was triggered by a mosquito bite. He got West Nile virus and it was latent within him. And his father, his incredible father, has it and he didn't even know he had it. And then he got a mosquito bite affected his immune system, triggered MS. And exactly. it's, it can be, it, it, they, it, it's pain on a daily basis. It, it can vary. So for those that don't know, tell us a little bit about how you knew you had it, how you were diagnosed with it. And really, truly, like, what does that mean on a daily basis for you? I am dealing with multiple sclerosis.
1: So I was about 20 years old and I started experiencing just numbness, a little bit, but I paid no attention to it. I had numbness in my feet. I used to go out and dance a lot with my friends. And so I attributed it to the shoes I was wearing. I thought, ah, it's these shoes. They're too high or they're too tight. I thought nothing of it. And then like was said, when you introduced me, I was diagnosed with MS four months after I was baptized. I literally, so I remember those experiences of the numbness and stuff, but it wasn't really It didn't really define anything in my life, but soon after, I mean, like within weeks after my baptism, I just, it's so funny. I started to have like more numbness. I started to have blurred vision in one of my eyes, which I later came to find out is called optic neuritis. I had gait issues like walking. My balance was off, just different things. And I attributed a lot of it to just activity. I thought, ah, I have pinched nerve. Yeah, a pinched nerve, you know, and I I remember my mom and I even I remember at first she thought, oh, you need to go to a gynecologist. It may be a blood imbalance, maybe you yeah. a certain vitamin. And so I went to the gynecologist and he was like, no, you need to see a sports medicine doctor. So I saw a physiatrist, sports medicine. He was like, no, this seems more neurological. Let's go to a neurologist. And in my mind, when he said neurologist, I thought, well, that makes sense. Yeah, it's a pinched nerve. That's neurologist. Yeah. And so I went to the neurologist again, the symptoms were just kind of stacking on top of each other. And I noticed it getting a little bit worse. It didn't really interfere with anything too much though in my life. went to the neurologist and was told I had MS, but I didn't believe it because he was just a neurologist. I was like, I need to see an MS specialist. He's going to tell me he's different. Yeah. So my mother and I, we did some research and found an organization, the National MS Society, and got in touch with them. And there was a conference in town, went to the conference, and that doctor saw me the next week. Wow. I had a test. I had a spinal tap. And again, oh. I thought, this is going to be fine. I'm going to be just fine. And Spinal I'm, taps are horrible. Yeah. <laughs> That's awful. It was, it was no fun. Needless to say, it was MS. And it was kind of shocking, but you know, there were treatments available at the time. There were only three, I think there's like 24 available now. So it's research has come a long way, but I think for me, just accepting that diagnosis was hard, but how it affects me now, like I said, in 2008, after I got out of the hospital, I had to start really accepting the fact that I needed to rely upon people and needed to Rely upon assistive devices. I I was like, no, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna beat through this. I don't need a walker. I'm tough. I'm only 29. Needless to say, I fell on the floor a few times, and I was like, okay, I need to use something. And so I had to bite the bullet and start using a mobility device. And I see that now as, I mean, I resented it a while. I mean, a long time. It caused friction within my relationships. People always assumed that everything was fine because I always had a smile on my face. And so when you talk about that, it seems that i am got a good attitude and I'm positive. Yes, but it's okay to have bad days. And that's something yeah. that I've realized it's natural and it's okay. Yeah. As long as you just pick yourself back up. And again, that eternal perspective was really key to me because I had to think, okay, I can do this. I've got a Father. I've got assistance. I've got, you know, I I just I felt more empowered. I felt stronger. And so I think now for how it affects me on a daily basis is I just have to wake up and realize that it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay on those days when I need help to ask for help. And it's okay to, well, not it's okay, but it is necessary for me to just keep going. Yeah, and for me to keep trying. So, yeah.
0: how how has it then or changed your faith in or testimony of the Savior and, and and His ability to heal? You'd think that you're a new investigator and you and you join the church and you're excited to be baptized and you're like, okay, now Heavenly Father is going to bless me. I'm going to be so blessed, and 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 He does. But then you are hit with this <laughs> life changing trial. Did that affect you as a new convert? Like, wait a second, I just turned my life over to heavenly yeah. father. And now he's like, okay, here you go. And it's like, why, why not someone that's someone on the street that doesn't care or that doesn't care? You know what I mean? Like why, yeah. some? why me? Did you ever think that? And, <laughs> and tell us about what that was like of, of, and then I want to talk about your conversion story and, and that, oh, yeah. but, but tell us about. Just joining the church and then being diagnosed, did you? were you resentful ever with Heavenly Father? Did you ever put the blame on like, why in the world did you do this to me? Did you ever feel that way?
1: So there's several different parts to that answer. So yes, I did have the why me moment. I did. I had the, I also had a lot of support after I joined the church, you know, that they always encourage people to befriend new converts and befriend people that are looking into our religion, you know, and things like that. And that was monumental to me. I had a few key families that just wrapped them, their arms around me and just embraced me and they were my safeguard. So I would say that those friendships helped me. Because they were the ones that invited me into their homes and, you know, shared with me some some gospel principles and reminded me of things that could help me. So that yes. was the first thing that really helped me. And I, when I had the why me moment, you know, sometimes I have to admit it's hard for me to think: is this the Holy Ghost or is this me talking to myself? Yeah. I remember I had that why me moment. I had just prayed, and. I don't know about you, but when I pray, it's like I'm having a conversation. I mean, yeah. I, I I speak reverently and things like that, but I mean, he's our father. You know, he loves me. He knows me. He loves you. He knows you. And so I was very open and honest, and I just poured my heart out, and I was like, why? Why me? I, I just completely changed my life. I stopped doing X, Y, Z, Z, Y, X, you know? I changed everything. I stopped hanging out with these people. I put my life on a good path. Why? And I remember just having the impression come upon me of, why not you? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just had the why me, why not me moment. You know, I'm not any better than anybody else. I'm not any different. I, you know, I just learned about how we're all on this earth to learn and to grow and to experience. And if we are to learn and to grow an experience, we have to sometimes be pushed a little bit, you know? Yeah. I always joke with people and I say, you know, I was just I needed to be tried because maybe this was the only way that I would have learned. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think that I mean we live in a human body. Yeah. We have many e- earthly experiences. Yeah. Things are gonna happen to us. I do yeah. find it very Ironic and interesting. It just happened to be right after I was baptized. But then I also feel what a blessing because it was going to happen regardless.
0: Yeah. was looking
1: back on it, I had things way before yeah. I was diagnosed. You know, it mm-hmm. just so happened that someone helped me, you know, find out about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Found out, you know, I was able to find out about the Book of Mormon and about just more you know the other testament of jesus christ I, I learned more and through that i was able to become closer so i i do think that it was hard i did ask the why me mm-hmm. i especially especially fa- asked the why me and i was so bitter when you know after those seven years of doing so good all of a sudden 2008 comes around and now i'm disabled That yeah. he was just pew, slap in the face but I think if I didn't ask why me, I think I wouldn't be human. I think I'd be superhuman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and even, I mean, the savior of the world, not not why me, but take it from me. I mean, e- 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 if there's anything as reassuring as to even Jesus Christ said, if, if, if it be thou will, please take it nevertheless. And I think that's the big thing, like... I don't want to deal with this. No one wants to deal with suffering yeah. or pain or loss. Nobody wants that. I remember a talk where Elder Irene gave that he he said I sort of almost arrogantly told God like I'm ready for a trial. I'm ready for growth. And then he had some, and he and 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 so emotionally and humbly was like, never mind. <laughs> yeah. This is so hard. This is uh, never mind. And and the Lord of course in his mercy, He wasn't doing anything to punish him, but, but he did receive some after that and thought, you know, they will come to us without us asking or without us thinking I'm ready for that. Or I'm not ready for that either way they come. And, but, but heavenly father is always there to help us with it. And even so, even as much as, as saying like, i I've, I've been there and, and I know what that's like to be like, I can't. And, and yet he's there to strengthen us. And I, I share this quote so often on my podcast. My listeners are probably still sick of me hearing it, but it was from the saints book. And it just honestly changed my life about pain and suffering and going through difficult things. And it was, I don't know if you've listened to the saints books. They are incredible. I recommend them to everyone. They've changed my life. It's basically, it's, it's a church history compilation from the beginning of the church and they're going to take it all the way up through modern day now. And oh you're reading it it's right here. I've got it. That that's what was holding
1: my computer up.
0: <laughs> is it the is it what volume it's are you The one? first one is the, the S. First. One. Okay, so have you got to the point where Joseph Smith is in prison and he's asked it's the you know DNC, the famous section, you know, yes. once when he's asking the Lord. And my very, very favorite quote, it's he said he was talking to the heavenly father and in the scripture, of course we know the famous scripture of, you know, all these things will be for thy good and all that, but something saints added that was in like a journal of his that he wrote down. That's not in scripture, but they said, if it's in saints, it happened. It's very well. Like we don't say anything. We don't, there's never like, it was probably rainy this day. If it said it was a rainy day in April, it was a rainy rainy day. Yes. And so the quote is, the Savior reminded Joseph the saints could not suffer more than he had. He loved them and could end their pain, but chose instead to suffer afflictions with them, carrying their grief and sorrow as part of his atoning sacrifice. Such suffering filled him with mercy, giving him power to succor and refine all who turned to him in their trials. And sometimes I think about the atonement as... He felt it. He knows what we're going through so he can help us. And instead I've, I, and I've thought of this now as he suffers it with us. Right. He carries it in real time. He that's the atonement is it opens this, this, I, I don't even, I, I've used the word portal before, and that's not the right word, but it, it, it opens a conduit to heaven that he's able to feel it with us yeah. and suffer. It. And that is how, he can feel mercy for us and extend mm-hmm. and and refine us is, is sitting in it with him. He can't, he does have the power to say, Alicia, I'm going to take away your MS. I'm going to take away this pain. I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to take it from you. And And sometimes he does, but when he carries it with us, it gives him power to refine us and, and, and make it worthwhile so we can be like him and return to him. And that thought has been so comforting to me when I've been like, I don't understand why you let me go through this. And it's like, I'm not letting, I'm in it with you. And that's, yeah, and that's a better so thought. yes.
1: I like to think of the savior as not only our savior, right? Jesus is obviously our savior. He's our advocate with the father, which we know, but he's also our friend, you know, yes. yeah, he's been through it. I mean, you know, that one, you mentioned that one part in the scripture where it says, you know, not my will, but thine be done. nevertheless, There's something about that. I heard in a talk one time or something, I I heard something and it said, you know, we don't know how long it was between not my will, but thine be done. Nevertheless. I mean, it could be, it could be, Oh, let this cup pass from me. And then he could have sat there for a while. And then maybe said, you know, not my will, but thine be done. Never. You know, it,
0: it, it could be, he could have it wasn't necessarily in the same sentence. Yeah, it was that's it would have been like,
1: you know, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as i will, not as I will, but thy will be done. It it could have been a big it could have been hours you know, and and I think that, that um that's just an interesting way to look at it. And I try well, one of the most comforting things about the atonement. It's not just, you know, that I can be forgiven and that I can return to live with my heavenly father again and be with my family, but also just to know that he can succor me in my pain because he truly experienced it. You know, there's so often we go through things and we're like, oh, nobody understands what this is
0: like. I'm the only
1: one. And you feel so alone. Right. And that's true. Nobody does know. I mean, it's just you. Except the fact, if again, we have that eternal perspective that I said was so important, we can go back and think, wait, there is one person that knows. Yes. Our Savior, you know, Jesus Christ. Yes. He does know. And so that's when you can turn and you can just lean on him and pray. Um, And I really, I think that that's such an important thing to remember.
0: Yes. Well, and and I love what you said about how, isn't it? You know, on the one hand, you could say, Why did this happen right after I was baptized? But on the other hand, it's, oh, I'm so grateful. I had this new strength in the gospel of Jesus exactly. Christ before I went through the most difficult and debilitating trial of my life. That might be a lifelong thing that you have now this rock and this foundation yeah. of, Oh, now I have this strength to help me. And I'd like to think that Heavenly Father was like, he, Of course, He knows what's going to happen. And like you said, I don't know that he gives us things or if things happen or or we knew what was going to happen, Yeah, Uh, he's he's all knowing. And so he did know, of course, and, and, and understands and and part of his mortality. I don't know that he puts things on us, but he knows what will happen. He knows the plan for our lives. And, and Mm -hmm. it is, it's just beautiful that he's like, but I'm going to give you something to get through this. So I would love to know about your conversion story. You said you were 20 years old when had you heard about the gospel? Did you know about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Was it something you what got you interested? How did you how did you start finding out about it? <laughs> as okay. a as a 20-year-old.
1: All right, so again remember, I grew up in Alabama. Yeah. And that is the Bible Belt. It's it a is. very religious area.
0: Oh yeah, people I love it. They
1: are amazing. They are yeah. just amazing. There's all kinds of religions and just people are trying their best to get closer to Jesus Christ in the best way they know how, you know, and that's awesome. For me, I was six years, five or six years old. When my parents divorced, we moved to my mom and I moved to Alabama and my family was Catholic, but my mom, right after we moved to Alabama, she started drinking a lot and became an alcoholic. Now I am an only child with my mom. And so it was just me. And I, it was really hard to be an only child and have a mother that was an alcoholic. She ended up divorcing again. She remarried when we moved to Alabama. She divorced, and it was a good long ten-year stretch of her drinking. Right before I became able to drive, right before I turned sixteen, things totally changed, and she hit what she calls her rock bottom. She always talks about how she had to hit that rock bottom before she could climb herself way, you know, out. And she stopped drinking. She started to seek sobriety and started to to really change her life. But all through that, we would go to church like on Easter and on Christmas because that's just what a good Catholic does. <laughs> we would go to church when we needed to, but I didn't really go to church much else. I remember going to other churches. Like I remember one time... <sighs> There was a big, huge church in the town I grew up with, and it was a Baptist church. I remember I went there. I think I even remember being baptized in that church. I don't remember much, but so I always was around religion. I remember we went to a non-denominational church a little bit. But in high school, the final high school that I went to, I was in high school with this guy. His name was Donnie, and he was a member of the church. Now, granted, Donnie wasn't active in church, but everybody knew he was a Mormon, and I'm, yeah. I'm doing quotation marks because, you know, yes, that's how he was known. And in our school was a oh, sure. Mormon quote, quote, yeah. and everybody was trying to, quote, again, save him. And I just knew that he was just a great guy, just a fun yeah. guy, great guy, you know, not always making the best decisions, but none of us were. Yeah, but his mom and his, his mom and his family were just very strong people just really good. Well, after high school, I started to hang a little bit, hang out a little bit more with him. We ended up dating. And so I was at his house even more. Again, he didn't go to church, but whenever I would go to his mom's house, there is pictures of Jesus, there is pictures of like good quotes and sayings on the wall. You know, whenever they would have dinners, they would pray and I I loved hearing their reverent way of praying. I just, I don't know. It just, it encompassed me. I thought that's really neat. But at the same time, I had all these other people saying, oh, Donnie's going to hell. He's a Mormon. He's bad. And I, I just, those two things conflicted. I thought, how can they say this when he's living such a wonderful life? And so he had a roommate and the roommate had just gotten off of a mission. And the roommate always had missionaries come over. They would go out and he would, this roommate would go out and teach with the missionaries. And so when the missionaries would come over to pick up his roommate, Jason, they would see me at the apartment and they would talk to me and I was nice. And I would talk to them. They asked me all kinds of questions. They asked me about if I was interested in family history. And I, I wasn't, I had no interest <laughs> in family history. I, I didn't know my dad at the time. And so I I just family history was kind of a sore spot to me. Yeah. And then they asked me if I wanted to attend church. Oh no, I didn't want to attend church. They asked me one time if I wanted to go to a state conference. Yeah. And I had no idea what a state conference was. But I thought, surely they're talking about the state carnival. And I said no, because I was scared of roller coasters.
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Crazy. But then one time, one time they asked me if I wanted to hear a story? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so they sat down in the apartment and I sat down on one couch and they sat down in the other. Can you imagine what story they wanted to tell me?
0: (laughs) Maybe the first vision?
1: Yes. The account of the first vision. That was something I did not expect. They told me how the young boy Joseph went into a field and prayed and then you know, saw God, the father and Jesus Christ. And, and they told me about that story. And I listened with true intent. And after the story, they were like, Alicia, how did you feel? You know, after when we were sharing that story and now I didn't remember what I said, but my friend Donnie told me years ago that the word I said was comfort. I said that I felt comfort and
0: interesting interesting
1: but i do remember they did tell me about the holy ghost and how the holy ghost testifies of truth and then they asked me if i wanted to have discussions now you would think that's where it ended but it's not so how it ended was i accepted the invitation to have discussions but those missionaries were transferred out oh another set of missionaries were put in and nothing against the set of missionaries that were put in but i just didn't click with them yeah yeah and i went through all kinds of doubt i was like Oh, those missionaries, they went to that MTC school and they learned how to make me feel that way. And yeah, right. I just totally doubted everything. And I quit having, and I didn't have, you know, discussions and I quit dating Donnie and da 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 da. But what scared me was I was about to be 21 years old and everything that I didn't want to be was about to be legal. <laughs> Turned 21 years old. Oh,
0: you know yeah. what I'm saying?
1: I didn't I didn't want to be like my mom. I didn't want yeah. to be an alcoholic. And the life that I was leading, I could see it being that way. And so I knew I needed to find religion. And I went to about seven different churches on seven different Sundays by wow. myself. And you know, that's not hard to find in Alabama because, like I said, there's churches everywhere. Sure. And the last church I went to, I came home. And nothing really sat right with me. And I, the missionaries also, you know, nine months before, they gave me a copy of the Book of Mormon. And I came home that seventh Sunday and I got out the copy of the Book of Mormon. And on the inside of it, they wrote, you know, the scriptures, Moroni 10, three through five. And then they put in there the account of the first vision, or not, it's not first vision, the account of of Jesus Christ coming to the Americas and Third Nephi. Yeah. But they also put a telephone number. And the telephone number was to the set of local missionaries for my area. And so here it was months after, I mean months after. And I got out the phone and I, you know, I called the set of missionaries and I said, you know, I don't know much about your church. Da 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 da. da. I told the story. I said, but I want to learn more. And that's and where like, <laughs> yeah. I said I was that golden, a golden investigator.
0: Yes. Because it
1: was six weeks later that I was baptized.
0: No way. Yes, no way. It just,
1: it, God prepares you. Yes. God puts certain things in your path and puts certain people in our paths and he prepares us. And so all of us receive missionary opportunities. There were seven missionaries that taught me, that I encountered, that have no idea that I was baptized. So I always tell missionaries that are going on missions, I'm like, don't ever feel that you don't have some kind of thing to say to me. Even if you have no, those seven missionaries could have left their missions and have had had no baptisms. And they they could have left their missions and thought, man, I did nothing.
0: Yes. But,
1: But they did everything.
0: That is an incredible story, Alicia. And it, it, it is so comforting to like a parent's out there and their son or daughter's on a mission right now and they're like, oh, I'm not having much success. Oh my goodness, but you have no yeah, they idea are. all the seeds that they're planting. And and even if like you said, they don't see that or know that yeah. you never know what You it's never do. The little idea of I'm gonna go back to that book of Mormon. I'm, maybe going to call those missionaries or that number. And I'm maybe going to figure this out again. I think it's interesting that you went to seven churches and there were seven missionaries. I love numbers and like meanings to things. And seven is like, it's like perfect or whole or complete, you know, seven days. I've never thought about that. (laughs) Yes. It's like seven days to... To create the world, and seven is an important number. I and mean, There's lots of other significance to the number seven, but it's it's like a completeness or eternal or whole or something. So it's like you completed your journey, and and then you were led, you know, back to the gospel. And it was seven missionaries to join the church. I think I that's actually never thought about that. Uh, that's
1: oh, that's so cool. And I know it was seven missionaries because each of the missionaries, I have their name in that copy of the Book of Mormon. I wrote their names.
0: Oh like, wow! They wrote so, yes. That's yeah. Sure I never thought about that. It's <laughs> so cool. Go, That's do really some, cool. go do some research. I'm sure you'll learn a lot more. I don't I don't know a whole lot about it. And, and but but with that, significant... I've heard that. Yeah, but I've never thought of it. Yes, I think that is so neat. And then, so where were you baptized in Alabama? Where did yes. your mom come?
1: My mom came. I had one of my good friends come, and then all the people from that ward. There were so many people. They were super excited. I do have to tell you a funny story. So the next day after I was baptized, I was confirmed a member of the church. And it was in sacrament meeting that I was confirmed a member of the church. And so when people are confirmed a member of the church, you know, you have somebody with the Melchizedek priesthood, right? That lays their hands upon the new convert's head and, you know, bestows upon them the gift of the Holy Ghost and, you know, announces them a new member of the church. And it was neat because all the members of the ward were there. And they got to see that, which is, I think, such an important part of missionary work because they were able to welcome me and befriend me. It was great. However, nobody warned me for that occurrence. And so I didn't know what to think. I mean, I knew that I was going to be confirmed. And I had—I remember they explained what was going to happen. When I was growing up, I did not like to cry in public. It was not that it was a sign of weakness. I was just tough. You know, you don't cry in public. Yeah. And so I always made a point not to do that. And not that I have a lot of reasons to cry in public, but you know what I mean? You just don't do that. Sure. At least that's what I thought. I don't think that now, but that's what I thought then. And so I got up and I sat in front of the, the chapel and my friend Joey Colquitt put his hands on my head, and he's also the man that baptized me. I had all my discussions in his family's house. Long story there. But anyways, he put his hands upon my head, and when he did. I felt it. I felt something I had never felt before. And guess what happened? Cried. I, cried. I cried. And so I I I have a true testimony of the Holy Ghost and I have a true testimony that when we are given that gift that the Holy Ghost is truly there with us, you know, and that if we live our lives as such he can be there he is so there he is definitely right there to help us to learn and to grow and to hear what heavenly father wants us to say
0: so. oh, that is an incredible story and and wow, just such a great reminder to everyone listening that we can be such a great influence on those around us and that that ward that wrapped their arms around you that but you help strengthen probably lo- a lot of their testimonies to be able to see that and witness that. I think that's so special that they do the confirmation and sacrament meeting that not only everyone yes. can see you, like mm-hmm. you said, to welcome you and embrace you like, but also just, Oh, it just, it just makes me emotional thinking about it, like how beautiful that is. Like this is the whole point of the gospel is bringing yeah. others into the house of God and and, and yeah. the gospel family. And I heard we my husband and I did ceilings in the temple, a few weeks ago. And our sealer said that he had someone that was a linguistics major come a few nights before. And it was so cool because they were going over a lot of the words in the ceiling blessing. And he said, this is what this means. And this is what that means. And he's like, it's incredible mm-hmm. that this, I mean, it was written in the 1800s, you know, the ceiling prayer in mm-hmm. early 1900s and, and how there's no way they could have known about the Royal lineage of certain words and, and the, the progression of certain words. And it, anyway, it, it, it was fascinating. But one of the things he said was in Hebrew, the word, you know how it says the house of the Lord. There's, there's a word for that in Hebrew and it means family. And so on the temples where it says the house of the Lord it, it in, in Hebrew, one of the interpretations is the family of the Lord. And so when you go to the temple, you are bringing in the family of God and you are building his family and we are bringing in our brothers and sisters. And I I've never looked at it the same, the house of the Lord when, yes, it is his house, but also we are, it's the family. We are all family and we are, bringing in our brothers and sisters and what a isn't beautiful, that beautiful isn't that so beautiful That's and a beautiful. beautiful representation of this new sister you know we do call each other brother and sister in yeah, in our yeah. church and how welcoming a sister to the house of the lord i think that is really, that was great. it was
1: really neat i think it's also neat because the spirit that i felt that caused me to cry yeah in 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 such an unusual way that was not normal to me isn't it great that the, all the people in the chapel or the, that they were there in that sacrament meeting, you know, if they were in tune with the spirit, they possibly could have felt the same feeling because the, yes. the, spirit, the spirit's with everybody that yes. even members, even people that are not members of our church, you know, they feel it the is. spirit. That's how, that's what brings people to Christ. It you is. Know, that's, that's what brought me to seek out more and that's what brought me to know the truth was was the spirit of you know just knowing yeah i I think that's beautiful and i yeah it's really neat when you think about it
0: it is it is and i try to point that out to my boys as often as i can when we're sitting around dinner or talking about something and we can feel the spirit i'm like this is the spirit This see this peaceful, right. beautiful, happy. And it's different than just being quiet and like you can be quiet and not be peaceful <laughs> yeah. You can, or you can be it. you can be, you know, in the mountains or at a family reunion and everyone's laughing aloud and feel the spirit. It's, it's a tangible, different thing. And I right. try to put that out as often as possible so they can start to recognize, Oh, it's this specific feeling and it's, it, it's different than anything else and it surpasses understanding and it, it it's, it's different than feeling excited or happy. Although you right. can, there's right. a specific feeling that, that, that I try to point out. And and I wonder Alicia, if in your work, when you, when you talk to others about living with chronic illness and, and I know that, you know, you, I don't know how often you get to, you know, obviously bear your testimony when it, in work settings and things like that, but have you been able to feel that spirit when you are talking to others about living with chronic illness. And do you feel like because you deal with this and you're, you're so familiar with suffering that you maybe feel that in a, in a different way than, than others do. Yeah. So
1: that's a great question. You know, in doctrine and covenants, you were talking about Joseph Smith, how that the big scripture, the fame, I think it's what DNC 120 or one, whatever it is yeah. where he is, told the things that he goes through they will give him experience and be for his good now there's one thing with that scripture that i have always thought i've always thought that they can give us experience and be for our good but it's up to us i think to allow them to give us that experience and to be for our good mm. we have that choice because yeah. they the things we go through could also be for our you know damnation they could right. be they could be bad for us and not right. be for our good. Right. And so speaking of the work that I do, I try to take the things that I have been through, you know, whether that be, you know, having a mom as an alcoholic and growing up in that environment, because that was really hard. And there's a lot of things that I learned and gained, or whether it be with me, with my 23 years of living with this chronic illness and all the things that have come because of that, whether it's a physical disability or, you know, emotional disturbances, depression, whatever it is. I try to take those things and I don't necessarily, I mean, I can't use religion in the classes that I teach so much because it's a scripted right. thing that I use right for the Department of Health. But I try to definitely let my light shine I mean, people there know that I definitely rely upon something more than just medicine and physical therapy. I mean, I I totally rely upon the Savior. But I I do want to say, though, one thing that I often tell people that are... And this this is not with my work, but this is something just with speaking in public with like church settings and stuff, and also with speaking about the Holy Ghost. So a lot of people do ask, how can I feel the Spirit? How do I know if it's the Spirit? My experience, a lot of people think, oh, it's got to be this burning, this... My experience really wasn't that way. My experience, it was more like you said, more of a peace, you know, and it was... When I was investigating the church, a lot of my friends from the South, I had one particular one that was going to school to be a Baptist preacher. And some I can't remember if it was him or if it was somebody else, but they gave me a an anti an anti-book, you know, a book yeah. against the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. yeah. And I, I did, I picked it up one night and I did read it. This was before I contacted the missionaries. Oh. I did pick it up and I I looked at it and I got this really dark feeling and so i remember i called up my friend donnie and i i I remember i said i told him how i was feeling about this book and he brought up something that was very unique he asked how i felt when i read the book of mormon how do you feel when you read the book of mormon and i was like well i don't really feel anything i just don't feel anything i just read it well how do you feel when you read this other book i feel dark And it was that analogy, like that comparison, that allowed me to know the difference between something of God and something that And so it wasn't so much that I felt this overwhelming like, aha moment. It was more just a peace. Just peaceful. I think sometimes we as members of the church get caught up and expect to feel this burning in our bosom and just knowing for sure. But I don't feel like a lot of times maybe we don't feel that way. Maybe it's just that
0: peace. It's just a good feeling. And it's yeah. like, Brad yeah, has referred it to sometimes as a fish doesn't know they're in water until you take them out of it. And then they're like, I love oh. that. and so it's like, you have, you're in it and you feel the spirit and you're like, I don't know if I felt the spirit. And you know, teaching our kids, like, I don't even know if I re- ever really haven't. It's like, but do you know, when you haven't, I exactly. know when I, ha- I know when I haven't for sure. Like I know when something feels like, Ooh, dark or weird or wrong. And exactly. I've had really, I've had really intense experiences in my life because of what I've done and, and being, you know, out in very worldly things and performing and, and around people that believe very differently than I do that. I'm like, I know when I felt darkness, like I can't deny that this felt so weird and so dark. So if there's a darkness, there has to be a light, you know, if there, I know Satan is real. I, and so then, then I know that then there's a God And, and it is, it's like just feeling an over, it just an overall sense of, well-being and peace and just comfort even amidst really hard and difficult debilitating illness and trials you still have this overall sense of it will be okay and that's my favorite favorite quote by President Hinckley like it'll all work out it'll all be okay it's just this feeling of even when it's not even when things you're like but things are going badly for me but, but you still have this but it'll be okay and it'll work out that. Yeah,
1: that's a, and that's, that's the key thing through it is just, again, keeping that perspective, because I tell people often that, you know, sometimes the things that we go through in life, it's like a storm. Yeah. You know, yeah. the rains are going to be hard. They're going to be tough. They're going to drown us or try to drown us. But I always tell people that you can survive that storm. Yes. You know, you can get through those hard rains. Yes. You know, and And that's where I think that that eternal perspective is what helps us truly triumph through the trials that we're going through in life is that eternal perspective. And so a lot of people ask me what, because my theme of, of what I do when I speak is triumph through trials. Yeah. And I really think that eternal perspective is how you triumph because Ooh, it's, I love that. it's, it's just, because we can get so consumed on the here and now, but if you just look at the big picture, and that's how I personally do it. I have bad days. I have bad moments. But somehow when the Holy Ghost is with me, which is always, you know, I am reminded very quickly that it's going to be okay, like you said. It's going to be okay.
0: I think that is so wise. I love that you the analogy of being on a boat and my sweet young woman gave a and and her mom gave a lesson on Sunday just recently. And they said, Jesus is on your boat. He's on your boat. Like, remember when he, he, the storm comes and he calms the water, like you're still going to go through a storm, but he's yeah. Jesus is on your boat. I'm like, oh, i like, I love, love that. that sweet thought, but Jesus is on your boat and he is. Yeah. And and that eternal perspective, I, the more I focus on what's going wrong now, I can get to where I'm paralyzed with it. Like literally yeah. I, that I'm so consumed with, Oh, all these little problems and, and not to minimize what anyone goes through. There are, there are. And, and, and I think what you said is it's okay to feel that suffering and pain Mm -hmm. and be like this heart, this is hard for a day, a month, a year. Like this sucks right now. Like life is hard, but when you do think about, okay, but does heavenly father have my back and is he going to be there with me? And is, are things going to work out? There is always peace that comes for me when I think, okay, but, even if it's the next life, like he's going to make it work together for my good. And I don't know yeah. how, but he will. And, and that always, I love that you brought that up because that always brings me comfort too, is just thinking about eternity. Like I don't need to worry so much about, I didn't do this or this didn't work out for me. I failed at this, this one thing that I wanted so badly didn't happen. And so is my life over? No, no let's think about this eternally. Is this really going to matter? No. And it doesn't mean that it's not hard and and there's not, you're not valid in feeling that way, but he's going to make it work out in the long run. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I, especially with people that like you that are dealing with a chronic or debilitating thing. That's like, I'm going to have to deal with this. The rest of my life. And, And, and that, that is hard. And yeah,
1: you've got one of two choices. You can conquer it or it can conquer yeah, you.
0: Absolutely. And
1: I was too young to it comfort me. I wanted to I wanted to have a good life. Yeah. And you adapt and you accommodate what you can. And and when you do those things, when you adapt to your challenge and you accommodate what you can't do anymore, you can you can have a good life. And you can solve
0: That's so hopeful. Mm -hmm. And people that celiac disease or, you know, diabetes and like changing their eating. And I mean, big things that are like, my whole life is going to be different. I love that you bring up that hope. That is so beautiful. You can have a good life. You adapt and you can have a good life. And so Alicia, as as we wrap up here, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. What is. welcome. What is something that you would like to leave with our listeners about making doing good in, in their lives? How can people, if they're maybe going through a difficult time or a family member, is, look outside of themselves and find out what their talents and abilities are to do good in this world? What if someone's listening like, well, I don't have anything major going on in my life. I don't know what my talents are. I don't know what Heavenly Father wants for me. I don't know how he's going to use me to do good. How could What advice would you give for them to maybe figure that out?
1: So just as the scripture says that our trials and the things we go through, they can give us experience and be for our good. They also can enable us to do good. Because I really feel that it would be such a shame to experience these things and to have gained something and not share that with other people. Oh, I feel yeah. like it would be... Just very selfish of me. Not saying that I've gone through this huge thing, and I'm like I said before, superhuman. But I really feel like we're all in this life to help each other out. Yeah, we are all here. I feel that angels are not in the form of what we picture. You know, with wings and this and that. I feel that angels. You know, there's a song by my favorite country group Alabama. Probably because I'm from Alabama. Yes, called "Angels." Or are angels among us? Because we all can be each other's angels. I and love if, that we, if we listen through the spirit, we can be directed to people that need us and we can do good things.
0: Ooh, I love that. And I, and I just want to quote that, that chorus. I believe there are angels among us sent down to us okay. from somewhere, somewhere up above. above. They come to you and mm. me in our darkest hour to show us how to live, to teach us how to give. To guide us with the light of love, I love that, yes. love it. You
1: can do, you want, do you want to sing that? <laughs>
0: <I'm just kidding. laughs> well, you know what? Funny story is, I actually that was my very, very first solo with a group with it with a children's chorus and the international children's choir, and it was my very first solo, and I was so nervous, and I think I forgot the words. It was my very first performance, so I actually had like it took a long time to like that song again because it was such a bad experience. <laughs> oh. Now that I'm an adult, I'm like, oh, I love that song. It's so beautiful. But isn't
1: that amazing? That was your first song. And very song.
0: Very- yeah. Yeah. That's That's like my first solo in a your choir. Um, That's fantastic. Alicia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and for all the good you are doing. If people want to know more about you or have you speak or learn more about dealing with chronic illness in their lives, where can they go?
1: They can go to my website. It's triumphthroughtrials.com. I also have a Facebook page, Triumph Through Trials, and a group as well. But yeah, triumphthroughtrials.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your light with us today and for all the good you are doing.
1: Thanks.